My name is Monica Gleiberman, and you're listening to Silence Onset Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Reed Scott, who's in a new film called Who Invited Charlie? The film follows a New York City family hiding out in the Hamptons whose bubble is popped when a Bloody Mary drinking, pot smoking friend Charlie comes to bring a lifetime of hurt that might actually just heal them all. So to talk about the film, here's Reed Scott. I kind of want to just get started really quickly at the very beginning. Yeah. How did you get involved in the project because it's such an indie film? Yeah. Blackmail, kidnapping, um, all of the above. The writer, Nick Scott, is one of my oldest and dearest friends. And he and I work together on stuff all the time. Um, He came to me with this idea pretty fully cooked, actually. Um, This was largely his experience during lockdown. He he stayed. And I guess he would have been kind of the Charlie of, of his real life experience, although his wife and kids might not like hearing that. Um, but he, he lived with another family that they were close with. And he said it just, it brought forth all of these themes that he wanted to explore. And he, he turned out the script in like two weeks or something like kind of like record time. He had really just, because it was, it was so just sort of prevalent to him. And he called me and asked me to read it. And I immediately loved it. And in the early, early stages, he wanted me to play Charlie. And I was like, I I love it. I would love to stretch that way. But I think there's someone out there who is just perfect for it. And I don't know if that's me. I'm like, but the Phil character, obviously, like I got a handle on Phil because he is, you know, not too dissimilar from, from Dan and some of the other characters I've played in the past. And um, I said, so, so look, like, why don't, why don't we, attach me as Phil and let's go find everybody else. Cause I love this script and I want to help you. So I came on as a producer very early on and we, we actually didn't have to look very hard. I, I, we sort of like, like Adam came to the top of the list pretty quickly, Adam Pally and Adam and I had done a movie together years ago called slow learners. I love that movie. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. All right. Great. Wow. You really, uh, you're 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 you've dug into the Reed Scott Uber. Oh, I went deep and yeah, and I've been a huge fan of Adam Paley for a long time. So I've watched all of his stuff too, but I've seen literally everything you've been in. So yeah. the two of you were fantastic. So I was so excited you guys were reuniting for this one. Oh, so were we. It was great. Like he and I, we got to be really good buddies on on um slow learners. And we just I, I I like to think that I can get along with anybody that I work with, but there was something about Adam. He and I, we have very similar kind of upbringings and with very similar sensibilities, similar senses of humor, even though we sort of can come at the same joke from two different ways. And we just really compliment each other. So when we called Adam, he was like, yeah, I'm in. And he loved the character. Instantly, we just all sort of got what we were trying to do here. Like this is very much an homage to the movies that Nick and Javi, our director, who did a phenomenal job, and Adam and myself grew up on. You know, what about Bob, Uncle Buck, uh, planes, trains, automobiles? Like it's it's all in there. And this was our sort of like, hey, like, yeah, this is a pretty good way to spend our winter out in the freezing cold tip of Long Island. Like you know, taking our shot, and we had a great time. We really did. I was also overwhelmed by the whole our, our Hamptons Film Festival weekend was so much fun and getting to to 
to screen it for sort of the hometown crowd. Yeah. It was great. It was, it was such, such a warm reception. It was really cool. It was such a good reception. And there were so many people. I felt like you guys were all being pulled, you know, like yeah. from person, 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 because so many people were so excited after the screening. I, and like, I'm kind of jumping ahead. So I'll go back to the film, but after the screening, I, people were coming out literally going like, that's one of the best movies I've seen. And I was Aww. like, no, I was like, that's why. So I want to talk to them because it was so good. Um, Cause there's so many great elements in it. Yeah, but- I think so too. The whole movie came together relatively easy, I guess, in, in the grand scheme of things. Yet even so it's like, it, it's indie filmmaking is, I love it. It's, it's my favorite way to work. I love all aspects of filmmaking. I love, knowing each of the department heads. I love learning from each of the artists that are on set. That's what really sort of like, that's kind of why I do this. So indie filmmaking is, is the best way to sort of get that kind of education. And even so it's sort of like, it's hard to just get a quote unquote, good movie made. Everything has to have some giant hook. And that's the thing about this movie is like, there's no hook. It's just, it's just funny. And it's just got a lot of heart and it's just a really nice slice of life. And so far, yeah, people have been coming away with the movie, like feeling how we wanted everyone to feel, you know, the way we felt when we saw the movies that inspired us. Like I said, like Uncle Buck and Planes, yeah. Trains and Automobiles. Yeah. So, so you sign on and then I guess Adam's the next one that gets casted. I guess in order, maybe Jordana came on next and actually Jordana okay. and Nick grew up together. So this was like very much a family. Yeah, like one degree of separation from each other, which is really cool. And Jordana's just awesome. Like, she's so great. I, you know, most people know her from Fast and Furious, but she's a lovely, lovely person. And on top of that, she's really funny. Like, she, in, in, in order of, like, hilar- hilarity, it would definitely go Adam, and then probably myself, and then Jordana. But, man, Jordana can run. Like, she, she gets the jokes and she had a blast, I think. And I'm really excited for people to see her sort of step outside of that, you know, that action box. She can do anything. She was just great. Yeah, it was kind of like a weird degree because then also you had another Mindy project mm-hmm. character because you also mm-hmm. have the neighbor. Because I don't, yeah. I was like, I don't know if anyone else like noticed that, but I'm assuming I don't know if Adam reached out or if you guys reached out. Um, to, Adam. Uh, oh, did he reach out? Okay. But I was sure. like, everyone like knows everyone. So yeah, I worked with Zosha like a thousand years ago. I was on a show called My Boys. And she did an episode of My Boys where we like went on a date. And so it's like, it really was. Everyone did know each other. It was kind of cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And so, all right. So you guys all get cast. You're going to start this movie. It's freezing. I think you guys started like when it started getting cold here. I left to start the movie the day after Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, and we started so in Manhattan. We were in Manhattan for maybe a week. And then out to Montauk and Wayne Scott for the last three weeks. And then I heard, so is this true, the house that you guys filmed in, Real House, mm-hmm. was owned by real people. They let you guys use it. And they also, I think during some of the Hampton stuff, even let some people stay there. They let crew stay there. So this is like a very... This is a very huge family-oriented film. Oh, yeah. That's all true. This little neighborhood, which is just like the most stunningly beautiful place you've ever seen uh, in, in Wayne Scott, New York, out in the tip of Long Island, uh, sort of nestled between East Hampton and 
Bridgehampton, essentially. Uh, Nick Scott grew up going out there with his parents in the summertime. And that's how he knows Jordana because their families were friendly. So they go way back to like junior high together. Mm-hmm. And they were friends with Maggie, who owns and lives in the house that we shot at. She's an old friend. So this is, they were literally reliving their youth. And yeah, we had, you know, there was crew sleeping on the floor, which I don't know, I was probably going to get us in trouble with some union someplace. <laughs> um, and then actually, even our rap party, Maggie's parents, we threw our own like little sort of like, like tight knit rap party back at that house because it was still in the family. And it was so sweet. Maggie's parents came out and like, it looked like Christmas. Like they, they'd put like little cookies and little things out there. It's like, it's really fun to watch you know, a mom and dad uh, who, who aren't really in the industry at all put on a rap party for this like very ragtag group of, of indie filmmakers. It was great. See, like, I love all of that because you hear indie films and sometimes people will talk about, and I'm not saying that there's not struggles. Obviously, I'm sure you guys went through your fair share of stuff, but it's so nice to hear all of those cute kind of like, oh, this is a coincidence or this person knew this person and we ended up in this great house and these great people. And to hear all of that, makes it so exciting for people that want to get into into the industry that are starting out in indie films that that's like where their base is that's where they're living to hear that all of this kind of family is like possible the relationships you make you know not only personally but also professionally starting at the very beginning like they if you make real solid relationships they come through for you you know like and, and this was all very legitimate like you know like i said nick's one of my oldest friends and adam and i have been dying to work together and you know, those things, that's how indie filmmaking comes together. It's very much a family affair. You know, it's your mercenaries. So you have to really, you, ha- you have each other's back because no one else does. And there we, we were up against it. We got shut. We had a COVID shutdown at one point. Mm. You know, we did not have the budget to take those days, but we had to take those days and sort of reinvent. All right. How do we get these shots on the back end now that we're, you know, a couple of days behind? What do we do? But it always it never fails to amaze me that those are the moments where artists create solutions to problems that inevitably make the project better somehow. And it just lifts your spirits. You know, at first it's like, oh my God, how many more hurdles do we have to jump over? But then it's like, oh wow, we're, we're gonna crack this nut. We got this figured out. And then yeah. it's just that feeling of pride. It felt like we pulled one off. It really did. <laughs> I'm sure it's like panic, but then once it, it happens, you're like, oh my God, like we just did that. Like we made it work. We figured it out. We found the table. We found the chair, like whatever you guys had to like grab, like, you know, and just make it work, which I feel like is the magic of movies. And you lose that. I think sometimes when it's the blockbuster and the big film, you lose that kind of like intimacy. And so that's why I'm a huge like indie fan because of that. But to get into the movie. So first of all, I want to ask you, how would you describe or tell someone what the movie's about? It's basically, it's the story of a family that's on kind of the brink of collapse, really, who takes refuge in their summer home during the pandemic and are thrown together with an old friend from my past who does not fit in this world, but ends up through his own just sort of weird way of looking at the world, bringing us closer together as a family. I agree. The movie's so sweet. And when you see the trailer initially, I think you think, which is good, you think that it's going to be like this annoying guy that moves into this house that's not wanted. You're, and you fi- you picture like the typical stereotypes, right? Of like, we're just going to keep kicking him out and trying to get rid of this guy. And 
that's what you think is going to happen, which is not what happens. This movie is so different. Although they're not, this family does not want him. In, and poor Phil. I mean, Phil, like, you know, has some issues, but Phil does not, I don't think, want to deal with Charlie. But there's none of that typical, like, uh, stereotype stuff. They're not trying to kick him out every two minutes and arguing with him. It's more of just Phil. And I feel like, and you can correct me, you're playing him. Um, <laughs> Phil's like in the middle of a crisis emotionally in his relationship in terms of what he's been up to and things that he's been doing. And Charlie comes in and is a little kooky and funny and quirky and kind of pushes him in all the right ways. Phil's a little like, I think there's one line that, um, Charlie says like something along the lines of feels a little like uptight and very like stuck together. And Charlie's kind of the complete opposite. You guys are like yin and yang, but together somehow you kind of like make, make a full coin, I guess. I don't know, like something together with you guys. Yeah, We discover what made us friends in the first place. I think he, he, he's describing Charlie describes Phil to Phil's son. And he, he says it, um, Oh yeah. Back in college, he was so uptight. He would fart and the lights would go out. <laughs> Yeah. For you, what was it like for Phil when you read him? You know, he, you did it in such a great way because he could come off as a character that's very not likable. Like, if, like if you read him on the page and what, you know, cheating and like various things that come up, um, the money stuff that he's hiding, the hustling, the, um, I don't want to give too much away, but the connection that he has with Charlie and what happened there, like the various things that come up, if you read it on paper, not the nicest guy, but yeah. the way you play him, he doesn't come off as a cold-hearted person. You care about him. So as an actor, when you read a script like this, is there a certain way that you prepare to make sure that you're walking that line of in between not being hated and like being loved? Yeah. Is there like a, a line that you have to do? And then how do you do that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, 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 I get sent those kind of characters a lot. So I, I always try to look and some, you know, times it's just, it's not the right fit, but I look for characters that even if they have all of those faults that you just mentioned, there's something about it that you can see how they got there. You know, maybe it was a series of missteps, bad judgment on their part, letting, you know, they, they get the better of themselves. They let greed get in the way. They get, you know, let hubris get in the way or ego get in the way. And because that's, that's kind of what we're all doing on this planet, you know, it's like we're making decisions on a moment to moment basis. And, you know, every once in a while, you sort of, you, you take yourself too far in one direction, you got to sort of work your way back. And that's where we find Phil. I feel like time has gotten away from him. He's, you know, been a victim of the pressure that's he, that he's put on himself to succeed, to sort of be perfect, to win mm -hmm. in the game of life. And now he's waking up and it's like, shit, I, in, in all my effort to win, I'm about to lose everything. Um, I love sports analogies. So to me, it's sort of like, you know, he's like that head, like, goddamn, like he's like, he's so white knuckling the season. It's like, we're going to win. We're going to win. It's like, you're losing what was beautiful about the game. And that's what right, feels right. lost. What's been beautiful about his wife, his kid, his life, like this incredible life that they built. So mm -hmm. if I can see that the character has those elements and there's, there's opportunities in the script to illuminate those. Then I know sort of like, okay, there's something for me, for me to do here. And then it's about, you know, sort of flavoring those moments where, you know, you might be able to say, oh, wow, he's just being an asshole right now. It's like, yeah, but what's underneath it? Where is it coming from? Why does this moment bring this out of him? 
because he's because he's I don't think anybody you know any real person they're not just like a you know mustache twirling you know super villain right. all the time there's got to be something underneath it and and that's what's fun and I especially especially in the format of comedy because man you could just sort of play and invent it. where does this come from and like what 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 stupid little you know nugget way down deep has led him to this and the same goes for Adam's character because Adam's character is like he's 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 way out there. It's like, well, how did he get there? And that's what we're all unpacking. It's kind of fun that we sort of like we got to to work these characters in reverse a little bit. You know, you oh, see what they're sure, now. yeah. You keep peeling these layers and peeling these layers, and it's like, like, oh, finally by the end, it's like there you are, Charlie. Now I see who you are, Phil. That's the guy you want to be. You know, um, Jordana's character, same thing. It's sort of like, oh, like the you want more than what you've let yourself have. And our son too, it's sort of like, he's a lot braver than he thought he was. So yeah, it's tough. Like you can't really sit down with like a pen and pencil necessarily and sort of plot it. But you right. know, sort of like when we get to this scene, let's play. And that's what Javi and Nick really let us do is we got to play a lot. And Adam and I love to improvise together. So a lot of times <laughs> we take a scene and the scene might work really well on paper. And then you get it on its feet and it's like, you know, it's just missing something. Like, how do we dig a little deeper? Well, let's just improvise the whole scene and see what happens. And let's shoot it. You know, it's just, it just how do we get from A to Z? And nine times out of 10, you find something really, really cool that just like turns up the dial a little bit on those moments and, you know, cracks open the character a little bit for you. So it's also tough for the movie because you're, you're finding the character kind of as you go. You got four weeks to figure this guy out. Like you hope to come with it ready to go. And then you get there and on feet, it's like, oh, this feels different. You know, Phil and Rosie, now that we're here face to face, I want to talk to you differently than I did when we were doing it, you know, on Zoom rehearsal yeah. or, or whatever it was. It's like, it's, is, is it softer? Is it funnier? Is like, what is it? I want to bring up a couple things really quickly. So for Jordana, I wanted to mention, because I know you said she was so funny and you're a producer on the film. One of the scenes I loved is when she yells at him. So she plays a lawyer, but she's kind of semi-retired-ish. You know, she's a mom. And um, she doesn't know about, she doesn't know this guy. She doesn't know if she's comfortable with him being in the house. And Phil, you know, you, your character kind of convinces her. And so she just starts giving him like the fifth degree uh, standing in the kitchen. And she was so funny. And she just like nails it down. And like Adam's face is like, just like plain, you know, so he's playing Charlie and just plain face, like listening to her. And he's like, yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and she, and she's like scary. Um, but she does it in such a funny way. So in terms of working with her, I know that you said that she's like hilarious. How is that like for you guys? Because it is primarily for men and her and and Jordana so she's like the woman on on the cast but she holds her own and surpasses in some scenes I mean because she's so funny and she's so good her so what's that like working with her oh it was great because she's um you know she, she she's such a force she's she's so soft and like beautiful and like you know like my god like you can't take your eyes off her but she's a tough chick you know like she doesn't she does not suffer fools at all <laughs> She knows herself. She's very strong. She asks for what she needs, you know, as, as an actress, as a, she was also a producer on the film as a human being, you know, we were all friends. And um, so she can hold her own with anybody, with anybody. And that was kind of our first sort of big comedic scene altogether. And as I remember, God, I, I want to say we shot that thing at like one o'clock in the morning and we were still trying to figure out 
you know, the, the line on the floor. And I was like, I was like, oh, quick, somebody give me a roll of tape. So we sort of imp- improvised oh the whole tape bit, like taping the line on the floor and saying, okay, Charlie, this is your half of the house and this is our half of the house. So there was already sort of this, this air of playfulness that night that we shot this, this scene. And I think at one point we just said like, like, you know, let, let's, let's, let's do it as written, but feel free to sort of just play around. Ooh, and this is like fuzz coming <laughs> and and Jordana did that she's like she just she goes back to the basics you know it's like acting is listening and acting is reacting so like she threw out the line and Adam would give it his funny spin even if it wasn't as scripted and she would take that in and respond to that and we just sort of just have the conversation and she's great she's great she's got fantastic timing I don't think someone can do you know, those big budget action movies, which are so tightly choreographed, you have to have a sense of timing for choreography. You know, it's like watching Fred Astaire. It's like Fred Astaire could get like, he could do comedy, you know? Yeah. Right. And she's just like that. She has this wonderful sense of timing and rhythm and she applied it in every scene, but then, and then she can go dramatic and sweet and wistful and like all the, those tender moments later between Rosie and Phil, like, she's great she can do it all i know she was an amazing asset i was so happy that she was cast in particular because everything that she offers in the film i think is she's a little bit of the beating heart in there charlie's a lot of the heart in it as well but the way that she interacts with everyone and i think sometimes when you're in those action films you can get casted as like a oh she's she's tough or she can't be funny or you know whatever the case is and she's so good at it that it almost makes you go like, oh, God, is there anything you can't do? Like, you're sheer gorgeous. You're funny. You can do drama. Well, at the end There's of the day, literally nothing she can't do. She's a woman. She can handle all of it. And she can sort of like puppet master the other four boys in her life. You know what I mean? Like, she's a woman. She, she, she can do it all. I want to yeah. ask you quickly the tape scene. So mm-hmm. because you said it was kind of improvised. I wanted to know, did you guys leave in there the freedom uh, there seemed to be a lot of freedom and space in this film, which I love because a lot of times I feel like there's a lot of rush to like say something to say something or make noise to make noise or whatever the case is. And mm-hmm. that scene, I was laughing so hard because all you hear is like the tape ripping and you guys let it roll. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to like cut it and bam, the tape's there, right? Because that's what that a typical movie would show you. So like for things like that, was it great to have that freedom where you didn't have to talk all the time or you didn't have to do so much. A lot of it was just you guys being and it it made for, I mean, someone putting down tape, nobody's talking and it's funny. And it's just because you guys are being, you're just like living in the moment. So what was that like to have that freedom? Oh God, it's everything, especially in a comedy. You know, it, it's, you're, you're trying to elicit a physical response, which is really hard to do. You know, the, to me, the, 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 my two favorite genres of film are horror and comedy because they're the two genres that elicit a physical response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only other thing that sort of really does that for me is music. Music can really like, you, you, you feel it in your body and you want to make, make so you want to dance, makes you want to cry, makes you want to sing, whatever. So there's a musicality that's built into comedy. And once you're breaking down scene by scene, it's like, well, what are we trying to achieve in the scene? And then how can we make this scene, you know, reach its goal, but also make you laugh in a way that the last scene didn't and the next scene won't. It's got to like, what can we do differently? And 
sometimes really is it just like it's taking the tiniest little moment, the littlest detail and making it huge. And sometimes it's taking something so monumental and shrinking it down and like throwing it away. You know what I mean? Like that, those, those juxtapositions. So in that moment, we said like, like how, how can we play around? What's funny to us? You know, and, and, and Javi would say, it's like, like, you know, I had the ideas, like somebody give me a roll of tape and one of our gaffers is like, you know, I got a roll of tape right here. I'm like, I got an idea. I'm like, just roll, just roll, just roll. Let, let, let's see how this goes. And cause we're up against it. We don't have any time. And I was like, don't even point the camera at me, point it at them. And I just like did this thing. And we did it a few times. And it's like, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. It's all about just hearing it and seeing the reactions of my family on one side and Charlie on the other. And you're wondering what the hell is going on. And then to reveal it, it's like, oh my God, it's this silly little moment. But to be able to play like that, that's where the comedy comes from. If you're trying to force it for time or you know, someone has to say something or we need something here, those jokes never quite land. They, 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 they maybe come across as sort of like cute or clever. Yeah. But those real belly laughs come from when everyone's sort of like, man, when we're feeling the funny of the moment, that's always what comes through. Well, also in that particular scene too, not only was the tape so funny because you're hearing it and it's literally, I mean, like, I, and I'm not talking like 10 seconds. I mean, you're hearing it for like for I'm five not- seconds, like yeah. a minute. Like, it, I mean, it's so funny, but not only that, but one right away when I saw it, if anyone has a sibling, I went, oh, I get this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like my side, your side, stay away. And then, so like right away, I was laughing because of that. And then there's like a 30 second delay just enough time for you to like, I feel like stop laughing to breathe to when Charlie then goes, is it okay if I like cross it to go to the bathroom? You know? And then like, and then you're just laughing again, like right away because it's just, you know, and it's such a cute thing between them two because they were friends when they were like, you know, younger and you just picture like, this is like, just like annex that they've probably done forever. But that freedom and that movement and that space was just so perfect. I mean, you guys just hit it so well. So like, literally I like had just stopped laughing. And then he was like, is it, is it okay? And then your reaction is so good. I said, when you're like, it's fine, just use the one downstairs. Like, and then you like, run, like you like run out or whatever. And it's just so funny. Um, and it's all that timing, just like you're talking about those spaces in between. And in particular, yeah. like giving that room to breathe, but also the timing from all of you guys in that freedom just made made it so good. Another section that I thought was really important and very surprising for me because I was laughing throughout literally almost this entire movie. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. But this movie has so much heart in it. And from New York in particular, and because it's a New York movie, but I think worldwide with all of us dealing with COVID, there's a scene where you guys are banging on the pots. And I'm not going to lie. I got emotional, like watching that scene. So obviously they're running away from COVID. I feel like a lot of COVID movies dealt with it in terms of like it existed, but this is what's happening because it existed. So we're in this place. We're stuck in this out. We're doing this. Your movie in particular dealt with it in, yes, we're stuck in this place, but we're not going to ignore that it's going on. So you have yeah. scenes where there's mass. I, I, again, I don't want to give away all the co- like comedic moments, but there's a scene where someone has to go to the market and there's mass there. there so the, it's, it's very well aware that COVID is happening and you guys are living in this moment. So why did you guys decide to choose? And I'm glad you did. And like I said, I got emotional. And you don't think you're going to get emotional in a, in a comedy like that. That's this funny. 
But why did you guys choose to include that, which was such a big deal worldwide when it was happening? I, I think for that exact reason, you know, it's in a lot of ways, COVID is like the other character. Like the, the house is another character too, you know, and, it, and it's hard to sort of describe how until you see the movie, but like the house is so special that it really is this other character. And COVID is the catalyst. Like if it wasn't for COVID, this particular group of people would not have been thrown together. So it just seemed right that you had to sort of honor the reality of that because that is, that, that that's part of the conflict. It's, they're not just stuck together, but it's like, but now that they're stuck together, they still have this major obstacle mm-hmm. to deal with. The obstacle is not just themselves. The obstacle and, and, you know, and their clashing personalities and all the personal problems going on. It's, it's all of that. And also dealing with COVID. Now we didn't want to make it maudlin. We didn't want to get that. This is not like a COVID lockdown movie, mm-hmm. means, but it only felt right that sort of like, well, in the early days, we were all feeling these stresses. And then our job is sort of like as, as, as comedians, it's sort of like, okay, well, how do we talk about those little stressors in a fresh and funny way? And so yeah, there's a couple mask moments because it's sort of like, yeah, we saw some ridiculous shit when, when masks were all brand new. It's and, like, and it's funny. I mean, it's funny, yeah, you know, it's, and it's, it's good so to laugh about COVID, you know, like in terms of, cause it was so hard. So it was good to laugh about it and it's funny. But yeah. yeah, to have that scene, I just thought, I was like, oh, I wonder why they put that in. And I was so happy you guys did. But I was like, I wonder why, because it's so difficult, like you were talking about. And I think you guys made such smart decisions. And like to have that in there, you're right. It's not like a, a COVID lockdown movie. And it's not a movie that ignores it. So like mm-hmm. you guys just peppered it in just right. And that scene in particular, I was just emotional. So was it difficult for you too? Like, because you see other people. So was that difficult scene to set up to have all those people kind of like banging pots or like doing things like that to honor all of the nurses and, you know, people that were helping at the time? It's all, all the other people are all CG. Uh, really? They're all, yeah. so they're all fake? Yeah. Because where we shot, first of all, there's, there's no one this out movie magic. In, in the Hamptons in the dead of winter which is amazing in its own way. It's so quiet and it's beautiful out there. You know, we had some snowy days and all that. Um, and we just didn't have the budget. We just, we, we literally, we, we didn't have the budget to have extras in those kind of scenes. So we had to sort of drop it all in later, but yeah, those moments, like, you know, we, I remember those moments here. I, I, I'm in Los Angeles right now. And, and those moments of, you know, coming out of the house, I'm like, you know, what is that sound? And then finally you started to, to realize, oh, this is the one way that we can all connect across these chasms. Like we can't go hang with our neighbors, but we can connect with this one way and also sort of like, you know, pay a little bit of tribute to the people that are on the front lines. And it was, you know, it, it was an emotional time for every person on the planet. And it just seemed right to at least draw a little attention to that kind of moment in the film because it also perfectly illustrated the turn that our characters go through at that moment where it's sort of like things are like parts are starting to open up connection within this family is starting to happen again at a time when, you know, the world was finally said like, you know what, we're going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to get through this. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we're going to get through this. And that's exactly what's happening in our family in the movie with all the personal shit that's happening. It's like, 
We don't know how it's going to, we don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of this, but we know that we have what it takes to get through this together. I know. And like, and that's what I mean by how it's so hard to not talk overly specific because I don't want to ruin it for people because literally I wish I could go back and watch it for the first time again because it was so you know it's so good so that's why I don't want to talk too many specifics about it but those few scenes the tape the mask thing which you know what I'm talking about people will know when they watch it um you know the banging of the pots it was just all put in such a great way it was so thought out and for a film that probably had no money like you know whatever budget you guys had it was amazing the amount of stuff that you were able to do and then it the movie ends and you feel great. It, you just feel good about yourself. You feel happy. You laughed, you cried, you feel differently about COVID, family, friends, just everything. When you walk out, it's almost like a blur. Like when you walk out of the theater and you're like, what did I just see? Like, I need to go see that again. And then like later you can pick apart, you know, outfits and just and just funny th- things that you guys added in little details but i mean literally you walk out and you're just like i don't i don't even like i don't just i don't know what happened that's the sign of a great movie it's like you know that experience where you just you lose yourself in the story for two hours and you come out feeling refreshed and invigorated and you know maybe you learn something i don't know so where can people find it because i know right now it's kind of like around but like where can people go see it? Because I know some people have been seeing it at festivals. I know it just played in Austin. Um, so I think we are. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx this, but I. I think we are in the middle of a distribution deal right now. So hopefully it'll start popping up in major cities. I think the plan is to start to roll it out in like uh, New York, Chicago, Miami, Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, and then some more cities. Sort of like in waves after that. But uh, it's getting a real. You know, the buzz around it has been great. So we're thrilled that this is going to get an actual theatrical release. You know, everything these days seems to go straight to streaming, which is also great. We just want people to see this film. But it feels like this is the kind of film that we made to, you know, you want to watch it with an audience because the the laughs are infectious. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I haven't really been in the theater a whole lot in the last you know couple of years, like everybody else. I've seen a few here and there. Yeah. And seeing it, and I'd already seen the movie probably like, I don't know, a dozen times before we premiered at the Hamptons Film Festival, but seeing it in a room full of people and it was a packed house mm-hmm. was amazing. And, you know, people were laughing at things that were like, oh my God, I forgot that was funny. I forgot about that yeah. moment. Like, I, I love that moment, but it's like, oh, to, to see it really with an audience, it just, it changes everything. It changes everything. So we're, we're, so thrilled that this is actually going to be in theaters and people are going to have that opportunity. So where should people look so that we can be updated? So should they check? I know you guys are on Instagram. There's yep. like, uh, you know, who invited Charlie Instagram account. Um, is there anywhere else that they should look so that they could stay updated on festivals, screenings, when there's an announcement? I would, I would check on the, the Instagram feed. I think we have a, a Twitter account as well. I'm posting things to my, my IG account as, as updates come up. And hopefully we'll have a big announcement, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, sooner rather than later about a, a, our big release and, and, and all those dates. But uh, it's coming soon and we, we could not be more proud of this film. You are in a million things and you're fantastic in all of them, but you just wrapped on Mrs. Maisel, which they're doing their final season. So we're going to have Gordon for season Gordon four. Yeah, for the, for the last and final season. 
is there anything that you could, I know there's like lock and key over there, but is there anything that you could talk about? Yeah, basically it's, uh, we get to see, you know, uh, we, we saw a little bit of Gordon Ford at the end of season four. And all I can really say is that um, uh, Midge enters Gordon Ford's world in a much more prominent way. And we get to see the two of them, not necessarily on a collision course, but they, 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 have, they have a lot of fun. And it, it's really fun to watch um, those characters explore the world of late night television, you know, 1960s late night television, which was just a blast. I had so much fun on this thing. And I can tell you that it does not disappoint. This last season is huge, huge. Each, ep each episode is just massive. Like they really went for it in this last season. Our last day on set, it was, you know, everyone's just kind of looking around at each other being like, I, I guess that's it. I guess that's, that's a wrap. And it was amazing. Like I, I felt so honored to be able to be involved in the last season of a really iconic show. And it, everyone is at the top of their game. The audience and the fans of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel are not going to be disappointed. They're going to love this final season. You're also doing The Idea of You, right? Yeah. So um, is there anything that you can talk about? I know that's early, I think, right? Very yeah, early. We, uh, they've, they've already started shooting. I think I start shooting on that in a few weeks. It's great. It's uh, really, again, beautiful, fun, romantic comedy, but uh, got a lot of like family aspects to it. Um, it's from Amazon Studios. So it's, I've been kind of in Amazon land for, mm -hmm. for the past couple of years, which has been really fun. But it's, uh, it's Anne Hathaway. Um, and myself, I play her, her ex-husband who, um, at the very last minute sort of has to like foist our daughter on her. So she ends up having to take her daughter to Coachella, which, uh, hipster, super cool dad here was supposed to do. And, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but, but some, some interesting things. Yeah. Between a uh, mother and daughter and others, um, at Coachella. A little different than Phil. Maybe similar aspects, yeah, I guess. Like, a little yeah. bit. Little and it's, it's funny, like the, the character's name is Dan. So this will be the third Dan. <laughs> between Dan from Veep, Dan from Venom, and now mm -hmm. Dan from Idea of You, I keep playing Dan. So I think I have it in my contract someplace that I, I can only play characters named Dan. Or maybe not. <laughs> or maybe it just works. They don't want to jinx it. They're like, we don't want to jinx it. We want him in the, we want Reed in. Name him Dan. It'll be a hit. Good Dan vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed listening to Reed Scott talk about his latest film, Who Invited Charlie? The film is screening currently in film festivals, so stay tuned to social media so you can find a screening near you. And don't forget to check out Reed Scott in the final season of The Marvelous Miss Maisel coming to Amazon soon. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're updated on all of our latest podcasts. And head over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, so you're updated on all of our video content.